All right, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Matthew chapter 6. We're continuing our sermon series uh, in the Sermon on the Mount. And today we get to what I would call the treasure principle. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Matthew chapter 6, and we'll start with verse 19. Jesus has just taught on how to give, how to pray, how to fast. And now he's going to teach about possessions. Here we go, starting with verse 19. Don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys and thieves don't break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. So if the light within you is darkness, how deep is that darkness? No one can serve two masters, since either he will hate the one and love the other, or he'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Let's pray and then we'll dig in. Father, thank you for your word, Lord. I pray that you open up our hearts and our minds. Help us see what we treasure. Lord, I pray that we confess our sin to you and we put Jesus as our treasure. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Amen. This past Friday night, we had a freshman football player lose his phone, but... Of course, he comes to the coaching staff, and it's not a lost phone, it's a stolen phone. Someone stole my phone. Well, where did you put it last? On top of the locker. I put it up top before the game. I come after the game, and it's not there anymore. The cool thing that you can do now with phones is you have the app. It's called Find My Phone. So one of our coaches, Coach Moore, plugs it in, plugs the number in. And on this Find My Phone app, it pings where the phone is. And it shows on this map that it's still in the high school somewhere. So that's good news. He hits find it. And as you find it, you get that ping sound letting you know where the phone is. So we start walking. Me and Coach Moore and this player, we're walking towards the freshman locker room. Maybe it fell behind the locker or something. We get to the weight room going towards the freshman locker room, and we hear it. And it's sitting right there on the mat. And this freshman football player looks at us. He goes, oh, I forgot. I was in here before the game. Found the phone. But it wasn't where he thought it was. And I think if I ask this room, where is your treasure? I think we all know the right answer. Jesus is our treasure. Amen. But if we did a find my treasure ping, My fear is that it would sound in a place we didn't think it would be. And so today what I'm asking God to do in my life and in your life is to give us clarity on what we really treasure. Help us see what we really value. What are our lives going after? What is the most important thing in our life? And my prayer is that it's Jesus. He is the treasure that is worth everything. That's why Paul says, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Jesus. And I want that to be our testimony. 
And here's the deal. Here's the cool part about our church. We have people in so many different life stages. And you're going to be tempted to go after different types of treasure. The world offers a thousand options for you. Whether it's money, a new job, the right girlfriend, a different boyfriend, a husband, a wife, kids. Thousands of treasures out there will compete for your heart's affection. But Jesus is the only treasure that satisfies. Amen. And so let us dig in to the word and see what God has for us. Start with the, the very first verse. Don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth. Th this is a present active verb, meaning this is something you'll have to do the rest of your life. Right? Don't store up for yourself treasures on earth because the heart's tendency is for us to do that. So what are some treasures on earth that we store up? Hey, listen, we're not, we not packed today. I need some feedback. Cash and possessions. Trophies. Popularity. People. Properties. And it goes on. Health. Car. Car. Oh, that's a low blow. <laughs> None. <laughs> yeah. Security. And here's the crazy thing. None of those things last. They're not bad, but they don't last. And what God says is the fool goes after these things as if they're God. They don't last. Don't store up for yourself treasures on earth but then you get the positive in verse 20 do store up for yourselves treasures in heaven they'll last and i'll use coach sullivan this past friday night he asked a good question how can i coach and win a game to the glory of god right because a lot of times and we've got several coaches in the room what will happen is the wins and the losses will become the identity of the coach so the coach is happy when the team wins, if he has a good, successful program. And there's nothing bad in and of itself, but the problem comes when my heart goes after that treasure over God. And so Coach Sullivan said, you know what? I came to the conclusion that I can glorify God as much with a win as I can with a loss. And to be honest with you, I don't think God cares about scores of a football game on a Friday night, Saturday, or a Sunday. I do think God cares about how we treat and coach young men. And so Mark came up with the conclusion, he goes, if I can encourage the guys that I get to coach in my position, if I get to tell them about Jesus, if I get to share the gospel with them and meet needs in tangible ways, I think I can glorify God when I coach. Now, that is how you coach to the glory of God. That is storing up treasure in heaven. That's what lasts. Wins and losses don't last. Robbie Boswell, you played basketball at Boone County, right? Yes, sir. Do you know your record for, you played varsity, I think, three years, right? Yeah. You know your record all three years? Well, it was bad for a couple of years. It was bad? <laughs> I think we were, we were almost 500 maybe my senior year, but junior year it was pretty ugly. How much time did you put in practicing? Uh, two and a half, three hours a day. Yep. Five days a week. Yep. Six days a week. Does, does that impact any of you guys? It doesn't, does it? And yet, hey, that's his life. That was my life. That's a lot of your guys' life. You're putting hours and hours and hours and hours in, and if it was about the wins and losses or the championships or whatever comes with the popularity of being an athlete, it's gone. 
It's gone. Nobody cares about our high school records, except for Tracy. Right? Tracy's got a banner up there. It doesn't last. And yet we go after it like it does last. And so we've got to figure out a way. How can you guys play football, play basketball in a way that glorifies God? How can you store up treasures in heaven with the talent that God's given you? How about a neighbor? Can we live in a neighborhood storing up treasures in heaven? How do we do that? Service to others. Service to others. How else? Cook out. Pray for them. Here's, here's the temptation. Shutting the garage door, knowing that if you would take your time going to the front door, however you get into your house, you could have a conversation with the neighbor. Yeah. Maybe it's looking out for a need that you know is in your neighborhood. There's so many ways you can store up treasures in heaven with where you live. How about at work? Here's the deal. If you go to work solely on the paycheck, you're storing up treasures on earth. Come on. The paycheck, the bank account, it won't last. One day, we'll take our last breath, and our savings account will not matter. But what you do for the glory of God will go with you, and you'll have a reward in heaven. And so there's ways, and we've constantly got to be thinking of how can I store up for myself treasure in heaven at Holmes High School, Connor Middle School, all of our different schools, at all of our different workplaces, and all of our different days in our neighborhoods. How can we store up treasure in heaven? And then you see why, verse 21, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And so I, I gave three things that will help us find out our treasure, right? So, so this is the, the pinging system. Number one. You want to find your treasure, look at your money. Where does your money go? Where does your money go? You spend on your treasure. And now listen, this can go two ways. It can go to people who have a lot of money, who spend it on their treasure, or it can go to someone who doesn't have much money, but said, if I just had more money, I could get what I want. But it's the same treasure. It's wealth. I need more or I have enough and I'm getting everything I want, but that's the treasure. And so look at your money. Look at how you spend. Are you a generous person? Do you use money to glorify God? Or do you use money to get the treasure of your heart, which won't last? Stuff. Hey, and this, for us, is very serious. When, when Jesus says it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to get into the kingdom, all of us in the room are considered rich people. That's right. So this is very, very tempting for us to think that money and wealth and a bigger savings account, a nicer car, a bigger house, better neighborhood would be all that we need to be happy. Don't buy it. Treasure Jesus, and it should be seen in how we use our money. Number two, minutes. Where is your time spent? Now, Robbie made it clear as an athlete, you're going to spend a lot of time practicing. But you can use those minutes in a way that glorifies God. One, you do your best with the talent that God gave you. Amen. You encourage your teammate. You build relationships. You share the gospel. Amen. You meet needs on your team. There's a way to spend time. Because there... All of us got to spend about 40-plus hours a week at a job, right? But there's a way to work 
to the glory of God and storing up treasures in heaven. And that's the awesome opportunity that we have. So look at your money, look at your minutes, and then look at the moments that you look most forward to. And now this is where i got to be careful. Because I started school Tuesday. We had 16 teachers out. I'm filling in Algebra 2, first period. And listen, my math stops at about fourth grade, I found out over last year uh, with Camden. So I'm in Algebra 2, and I'm thinking, I do not know how to solve this problem. And I'm just sitting first period. We're trying to make it through. Say it with confidence. Wrong. Had to get a student up. Embarrassing. Student up. Put it on the board. Got it right. We finally worked through it as a group. But it's the longest 55-minute class I've ever been in. And I'm just subbing in. I've got other stuff I have to do with my job. But because we have so many teachers out, we're filling in. And I can remember on Tuesday, you want to know what I'm looking forward to the most? Friday night. The weekend. Because on the weekend, I can rest. What am I treasuring? Things on earth in that moment. You see, when we look forward to the weekend or the vacations or something like that, and it's not bad. I'm, I'm, I'm not saying don't look forward to it. But I'm saying how many times do we miss opportunities to store up treasures in heaven because we're always waiting for the next moment? And you've got to be careful with what your heart goes after. Man, if I could just get to here. If I can just get the fall break or Christmas break, if I could just get this promotion, if I could just make this salary, if I could just date this person, it's a treasure principle. And here's the scary part. Where your treasure is, there your heart is also. So I want to read an an excerpt. Uh, John Piper delivered a message. This is about 25 years ago, and it had an impact on a generation dealing with the treasure principle. And I just I want you to hear from him. So this, this is his words. He goes, But I know that not everybody in the crowd wants their life to make a difference. There are hundreds of you don't care whether you make a lasting difference for something great. You just want people to like you. If people would just like you, you'd be satisfied. Or if you could just have a good job with a good wife and a couple of good kids and a nice car, long weekends and a few good friends, a fun retirement and a quick and easy death, If that's all you could have, you'd be satisfied even without God. And so what he's doing there is saying, if this is your treasure, you would be satisfied even without God as your treasure. You can't have both. And then he goes on. That's a tragedy in the making. And then he gives these two examples. Three weeks ago, we got a word from our church that Ruby Elizon and Laura Edwards had been both killed in Cameroon. Ruby was over 80, single all of her life, and poured it out for one great thing, to make Jesus Christ known among the unreached and the poor and the sick. Laura was a widow, a medical doctor, pushing 80 years old and serving at Ruby's side in Cameroon. The brakes give way on their vehicle, and they go over the cliff, and they're gone, killed instantly. And then he asked the question. I asked my people, is that a tragedy? Two lives driven by one great vision spent in unheralded service to the perishing poor for the glory of Christ. Or you could say spent storing up treasures in Heaven, is that a tragedy? After all, their American counterparts have retired, and they throw their lives away on trifles in Florida and New Mexico. No, that is not a tragedy, that they went over the cliff. That is a glory, spending and being spent on treasures that will last. And then he goes on to give you an example of a tragedy. 
It says, I'll tell you what a tragedy is. I'll read to you from Reader's Digest what a tragedy is. Bob and Penny took early retirement from their jobs in the Northeast five years ago and was 59 and 51. Now they live in Punta Gorda, Florida. It's not wrong to live in Florida, but this is their goal. They cruise on their 30-foot trawler playing softball and collecting shells. That's what they spend their lives on. That is their treasure. That's a tragedy. And people today are spending billions of dollars to persuade you to embrace that tragic dream. Don't buy it. With all my heart, I plead with you, don't buy that dream. The American dream, a nice house, a nice car, a nice job, a nice family, a nice retirement, collecting shells as the last chapter before you stand before the creator of the universe to give an account of what you did, and you say, here it is, Lord, my shell collection. Or I have a nice swing, or look at my boat. Don't waste your life. Don't waste it. Don't store up in your life treasures on earth. They do not last. Store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. You've got to make a decision because the heart is very deceptive. And my guess is we are tempted to go after a thousand other things. So this morning, and only you can answer this, what gives you the greatest pleasure? What do you most desire? Life is good if this is true. If it's Jesus, that's a treasure that'll last. If it's anything created, it'll be gone, and you'll never be satisfied. So, number one, store up for yourselves treasure in heaven. Number two, we're going to look at the eyes, right? And it's gazing versus glancing. And this is a, a hard thing to interpret right here. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eye is healthy, your whole body is full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body is full of darkness. So if the light within you is darkness, how deep is that darkness? And you're wondering, like, what in the world is Jesus talking about here? And in this culture, what would happen is if you have a bad eye, you'd be a selfish person. But if you had a good eye, you would look out for others and you're generous with your stuff. You're not using your stuff for yourself. You're using your stuff to help others, to bring glory to God. And right here, you're seeing that the eye is totally focused on God. You're not distracted. I remember uh, our Froshmore game. We have a new freshman. He's about 6'7", Jaden. Jaden's a mountain of a man, but he gets distracted very easily. And he gets down on this line, and when he puts his hand down, he's too tall, and he's too close to the football, and he'd be off sides. And so he looks up at the referee. You want to know when not to look at the referee? When the other team has their hand on the ball ready to run a play. My man looks at the referee, and as soon as he does to see if he's okay, he gets trucked. He's huge, and his feet go off the ground, and they bury him because he was looking in the wrong direction. And what Jesus is saying here, you remember he just spoke on giving, praying, and fasting. And there were a lot of people that were doing all three of those things but they weren't getting the reward they were looking for. Remember, they were giving so that others would notice how generous they are. They wanted the applause of man. They were praying out loud so people would see how holy they are. And they were fasting, and everybody knew they were fasting because they wanted people to have respect for them. But what does Jesus say? When you give, when you pray, when you fast, do it in secret. And then what will happen? 
God who sees you in secret will reward you. You see, you can't get distracted by the applause of people. You've got to keep eyes on Jesus. Amen. Your gaze has to be on Christ and your glance has to be on stuff. But the problem is many times our glances turn into gazes. This is what I mean. There was a guy at the UK football game last night. It was over 58,000 people in attendance. He said it was almost a sellout. And then he's also a pastor. And he says, so I'm sure in central Kentucky our churches will be packed or at least near sellout because we have a greater victory to celebrate. And you see how he takes a glance at a college football game and redirects it to the gaze that his life centered on. The victory that we have in Christ. What is your focus on? Where is your life aimed at? Is it to the glory of God? Or are we distracted? Hebrews 12 has a lot to say on this. I think this is helpful. Hebrews 12, verse 1. If you're taking notes, it's 12, 1 and 2. It says, Therefore, since we have such a great cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every hindrance and the sin that so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that lies before us, keeping our eyes on Jesus, the source and perfecter of our faith. If you're going to run with endurance, you have to keep your eyes on Jesus. And the writer tells us exactly what happens when we run. There's hindrances and there's sin. And it entangles us, it snares us, it trips us up, and it will keep you from running the race God has set for you. So how do you throw that off? You have to keep your eyes on Jesus. So where are your eyes at today? What is your life aimed at? Is it the glory of God? Because there's a lot of options for us. You can spend your life making money. You can spend your life trying to please people. You can spend your life accumulating stuff. Or you can spend it on the glory of God. But you can't do both. And then, finally, we get to the last part, verse 22, or verse 24. No one can serve two masters, since either he will hate the one and love the other, or he'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. And so this looks at the hands. And we're talking about being rich towards God, and you'll understand this, but I want to use two accounts that Jesus gives us in the Bible. And there's, there's two questions that I want us to answer. Number one, what does it mean to serve God or serve money? Right? You can pull out a dollar bill, and it's not going to tell you to do anything. So what does it mean to serve money? And I think we get that picture from Luke chapter 12. There's a rich dude. Jesus is given a parable. He says, a rich man has a land that's very productive. And he thought to himself, what should I do since I don't have anywhere to store my crops? He has so much, he has an abundance, he can't even store all the stuff that he has. He says, I'll do this. I'll tear down my barns and I'll build bigger ones and store all my grain and all my goods. Then I'll say to myself, you have many goods stored up for many years. Take it easy. Eat, drink, and enjoy yourself. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life is demanded of you and the things that you have prepared, whose will they be? That's how it is with the one who stores up treasure for himself 
and is not rich toward God. So what was it for the rich man to serve money? What did it look like? Bigger. Bigger. Bigger, better, more. All he was thinking about was how is he going to store all of his wealth? His life was aligned that principle. And I think we use that same definition for how we serve God. A life aligned toward God's glory. How can I use this circumstance and this opportunity to bring glory to God? So, Josh Cobbins, I'll use you. What grade are you in? 11th, 11th grade. How many classes you got at Holmes High School? Six. Six classes. When's your lunch period? Are you first, second, or third? Third lunch. What sports do you play? Football and baseball. What are your hobbies? Work. Where do you work? At Kroger. At Kroger. Can you, can you serve God in all of those arenas? Yes. As a student in each of your classes? You got some tough classes, though. What about lunch? Can you eat lunch in a way that glorifies God? How? You can give food. Who do you sit with? Do you get to choose or is it assigned? I get to choose. You get to choose. Do you think it's important that someone hears about the hope you have in Jesus? Yes. Absolutely. That's not, so you can use something as little as lunch, who I think a lot of students waste. I, I think a lot of people, guess what? Everybody has to eat. We can invite people to have lunch with us and have intentional conversations with people to the glory of God because we're serving God. You work at Kroger, right? So I would say, young man, you're looking to pay for your car. You got to buy gas, pay insurance, right? So you really need a job to make money. So how can you work in a way that you're serving God and not the money that you're earning? There are a lot of elderly people that come in can help them out a little more than help with the yeah so you can be light at Kroger right salt and light that's an easy way can you use your money to the glory of God yes absolutely and I think that's going to be the challenge for all of us in the room and listen I, I, I'll, be, I'll be as guilty as anybody else with four daughters I know that there's four weddings eventually but hey if you notice how we've spaced it out a little bit so we'll have time to save but there's, there's going to be four weddings. There's probably going to be four cars. There's probably college. And I'm thinking, I'm a teacher. She's a teacher. None of us are making a ton of money. But even saying that, do you see what I just did? I'm saying, well, well I just need more money. Isn't it easy to serve the dollar? Here's the deal. I'm at Holmes High School, not for the paycheck. That's a benefit. God has put me at the school, and God's put you at the school, and God has put you and you at the school to be a light and to spread the news about Jesus. Amen. You're learning at Holmes High School, but that's not your primary objective. Your primary objective is to store up treasures in heaven, to keep your eyes on Jesus, and to serve God with your freshman, sophomore, junior, senior year. And we've got to figure out ways to do that. So if you want to know what serving looks like, you look at the guy who built barns. He aligned his whole life around his money. 
So if you're going to be rich towards God, you align your whole life around Jesus. And you figure out ways how to glorify him. You glorify Jesus in your marriage. You glorify Jesus in how you father and how you mother and how you raise kids. You glorify Jesus in how you treat your parents and how you live in your neighborhood and how you go to work and serve <coughs> others. That's what it means to be rich towards God. But then you also see with Jesus, he makes you make a decision. He makes you make a decision. So, so there was this rich guy, and this is in Mark chapter 10. It says Jesus was looking at him, and Jesus loved him. So, so understand this. Jesus is having a conversation with this rich young ruler, and he loves him. But he's getting ready to say some hard things to him. So let's keep reading. You lack one thing, and they're talking about eternal life. The young man comes and says, what do I have to do to inherit eternal life? Right? I want to be in heaven. I want to be with God forever. And Jesus says, you lack one thing. Go, sell all that you have. Give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. But he was dismayed by this demand. And he went away grieving because he had much wealth. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how hard it is for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were astonished at his words. Again, Jesus said to them, children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. They are even more astonished, saying to one another, then who can be saved? Looking at them, Jesus said, with man it is impossible, but not with God, because all things are possible with God. And then Peter brings up a great example. Peter says to Jesus, look, we've left everything and followed you. Truly I tell you, Jesus said, there will be no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mothers or fathers or children or fields for my sake and for the sake of the gospel who will not receive a hundred times more. Now this is the promise that Jesus gives. Peter is saying, hey, look at how much we've given up. And Jesus says, it's worth it. The young man comes to him. He says, I want to have eternal life. The only way you have eternal life is if you leave everything and follow Jesus. Those are the demands of Christ. If you are to be a disciple, you're to take up your cross, die to yourself, and live for Christ. That's the only way you can treasure Jesus. That's the only way to store up treasure in heaven. There are no other ways. It's not a little bit of Jesus and a little bit of anything else. It's all Jesus. Amen. And so here, what happens is the rich man comes like, oh, I got so much stuff. And Jesus is like, you got to go sell it and you got to follow me. And the rich man made a decision. Is Jesus worth more than the much wealth I have? And he says, no, that's why he goes away grieving. Jesus isn't worth it. And then Peter's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Jesus, I've left everything. And Jesus says, it's worth it. Jesus is worth everything. Amen. And so you get the parable in Matthew later on. And you read in 13, verse 44, it says, The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure buried in a field that a man found and reburied. Then in his joy, he goes and sells everything he has to buy the field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls. When he found one priceless pearl, he went and sold everything he had and bought it. Again and again, what you see is Jesus is worth it. Can you imagine being in the presence of God, wondering, is this worth it or not? Is this worth it or not? And yet most people that we come in contact with are going after things that have nothing to do with God. Where's your treasure? 
What are you storing up? Treasures on earth or treasures in heaven? I'll leave you a little bit of my personal testimony. Uh, my senior year, as a matter of fact, it was this week during the football season. We're playing Connor. We play. I bust my knee. And Jesus gently, just like he did with the rich young man, says, you got to make a decision. You see what had happened. If you had asked me my junior year, going into my senior year, do you love Jesus? Absolutely. Do you treasure Jesus? Absolutely. But in reality, my life was centered around athletics. Lifting, going out and running, what I look forward to the most. I wanted to do really well at football. I wanted to get noticed. I wanted to win a lot of games. I wanted to go to college to play football. And in one play, my entire life changed direction. And you want to know what Jesus gently did to me in that moment? He saved me from thinking football was a treasure. Praise God. And you know what? That's not the only time. You'll think in college, if I just had the right degree, or if I just go into the right field, that's a good treasure to pursue. It's not. Young guys, you're thinking, if I could just date this girl, that's the right treasure to pursue. It's not. If I could just get this promotion or buy this stuff, if people just realized how good I was at this, there's so many things competing for your heart's affection. And what I would ask, I would ask God to show me where my heart is going after. God, where is my treasure? Because here's the deal, you can't hide what you treasure. Amen. Or at least you can't hide it for very long. So if you're married, ask your spouse, Amen. what do I have the most joy in? What do I look forward to the most? What do I get mad at? If it's taken away, that's what I'm, I'm frustrated with. Those are good indicators of what you're treasuring. And then do what the writer of Hebrews says. Throw off those things that entangle you because you've got a race to run. God has a plan for your life. And it's for His glory. And we get a limited number of days. And so what I'm going to ask you, I'm going to pray, but what I want you to do as I pray, I want you, you have to make a decision. You can't have a lot of little treasures competing with Jesus. You've got to have one great treasure and then everything else flows to that treasure to bring glory to God. And that's a decision I encourage you to make. And it doesn't matter what life stage you're in. And I'm going to have a conversation with Camden and Balin. Dee is a little bit too young. But it's important to understand as a young person, Jesus is the only treasure worth giving your life for. And it's always important to have that reminder, no matter how young or old you are. Let Jesus be your treasure. Amen? Amen. 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 Let's pray. Father, thank you for gathering us today. Lord, there's so much going on. Father, I pray that you reveal to us where our hearts or what our hearts are going after. Father, what are we setting our eyes on? Who or what are we serving? Father, I pray that you're gracious to us. I pray that you move. Help us throw off the things that entangle us, the sin that keeps us from running the race marked out for us. And then help us keep our eyes on your Son. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.